Listen and follow the Left Wing Rugby podcast with me, Will Slattery and Luke Fitzgerald. As far as I can see, I always want to get in the Irish team. And that should be every young player's dream and ambition in this country. And if you're playing in a place where you're not going to get the opportunities in the big games, that they're the ones that get you picked. They are the ones, the Champions Cup games are the ones that get you picked. You need to be playing in a team and starting in a team for those games. It's as simple as that if you want to play in the Irish team. Every week on Apple, Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Remember, you can stay up to date on the latest news with the Irish Independent WhatsApp channel. Names, lives, more than 120 murders, and the list grows with each year as more information comes to light. The Glenan gang were responsible for up to 120 murders. These included the Dublin Monaghan bombings, the Miami Showband massacre, and scores of sectarian killings. All the explosions were caused by car bombs so familiar to people north of the border. There was no way they could have been placed without the intention to kill innocent bystanders. The three in Dublin exploded almost simultaneously. The bomb in Monaghan went off an hour later and just as deadly. They were based on a County Armagh farm. While not every gang member was involved in each of the attacks, the farm at Glenan was at the heart of its activities, and he claims the intelligence services knew about it. That farm was owned by James Mitchell. You don't have to know it's a Dublin monitor farm. I didn't look at it. Never happened. It didn't happen. I get that in your head, Steve. It didn't happen. It has emerged in court that an REC man tipped off former police officer Mitchell about an imminent raid on the farm. Mitchell's farm was then hiding a massive loyalist arsenal. Those guns had been smuggled in from South Africa. This arms shipment has been linked to hundreds of loyalist murders, um, basically most loyalist murders that have been carried out since 1988. Mitchell was a key member of the Glenan gang and has been implicated in more than 50 murders. Here was a man being branded one of our worst serial killers being blamed for at least 52 murders, possibly over 100. Um, I wanted to hear what he had to say. Martin Breen is the Deputy Editor-in-Chief at the Belfast Telegraph and the Sunday Life, and he's here to tell us more. Martin, you're very welcome to the Bell Tale. Thanks, Kieran. Can we start, I suppose, where we have to begin this story? Some people will have read many stories over the years about the Glenan gang. Other people may just have a passing memory of it. Can, can you tell us what was the Glenan gang? Well, the Glenan gang is so named because of where it was based in the Glenan area of North Armagh, close to the village of Market Hill. Um, the Danan gang apparently uh, formed of members of the UVF, um, members of security forces, including police and military. Um, there are some people who say it didn't exist. Um, there are others who say that it was a disparate group of loyalists who carried out different attacks. And this gang, we understand, were responsible for many, many murders. Somewhere between 60 and 120 murders, uh, around 90, 100 attacks. Um, these include the 1974 Dublin and Monaghan car bombings, which claimed 33 lives. All the explosions were caused by car bombs so familiar to people north of the border. The three in Dublin exploded almost simultaneously. 
The bomb in Monaghan went off an hour later and just as deadly. Uh, the Miami Showband massacre in which three members of the band and uh, two UVF bombers were killed. Outside Newry, they were signalled to stop by a man waving a red light and dressed in military uniform. Thinking this a British Army checkpoint, trumpeter Brian McCoy pulled up in the band's minibus. Four armed men ordered them at gunpoint from the van to stand facing the hedge. Many other gun attacks across counties down Tyrone and Armagh. Um, talking about the murders of three Reavy brothers in their White Cross home, um, bombings at pubs that claimed several lives. It, it, it was relentless. You know, you've got to remember this was a time in the in the 70s when um, you know Republican and Loyalist paramilitaries were claiming huge number of lives and carrying out huge number of attacks. I suppose nowadays when people think about organisations such as the UVF, they think of East Belfast. Uh, in former times, they might have thought of Portadown. But this was this was out in rural Ulster, near Market Hill. Um, was this typical of other places or was this a unique place and group of people here? Well, it's somewhat unique in that Market Hill or Glenan, very close to South Armagh, you know, where the IRA operated and were you know, known as bandit country because of the, the sheer number of attacks and killings that were being carried out by the, the provisional IRA in that area. Uh, the Glenan gang operated um, from outside Market Hill, but in terms of where they were carrying out attacks, you were talking... Um, you know, in an area that became known as the Murder Triangle from North Armagh right across to Mid-Ulster. Now, as I said in the introduction, uh, uh, a former uh, RUC officer, RUC reserve officer, I understand, James Mitchell. Now, he's been named in court documents as the owner of a farm on which a large stash of loyalist weapons were being held. Can you tell us anything more about James Mitchell? Who was he? Mitchell is, is central to this and his farm seems to have been the base and has been named as the place where the UVF gang was operating from. Uh, Mitchell was a part-time RUC officer and a farmer. Um, he, he was a staunch loyalist who counted many senior UVF figures as friends. Uh, after the Gardaí asked the RUC to, to interview him in 2000 uh, about his farm and about what had happened there and whether he was involved in the number of killings that were being claimed, um, he, he, he opened told police that uh, his house you know, was, was, was known as a calling house for local police and military. Army intelligence were regular visitors. He said he would have given them cups of tea. Obviously, there was a lot of military down there because of the provisional IRA operating in, in South Armagh. At that time when he was questioned in August 2000 as well, um, the police recalled that they found him to be a cantankerous old man who very much resented his presence at a police station to answer accusations which he considered to be outrageous and concocted for no apparent reason. You know, Mitchell has been linked to at least 52 killings himself, but if, if we go along that his his farm was the base for the gang, uh, he is linked to each and every one. You know, Dublin and Monaghan alone, there were 33 people killed and Mr Justice Barron in a 2003 report um, indicated that Mitchell's farm was where those bombs were built and where they were dispatched from to carry out uh, all, all those killings. He has been named again in court documents then in recent weeks, again in relation to this shipment from South Africa. Can, what, what is that court case? Well, in 1988, 
Loyalist paramilitaries received probably what was the largest arms shipment that was delivered to them during the Troubles. Uh, There was a joint arrangement by the UDA, UVF and Ulster clubs to bring in a huge consignment of weapons from South Africa. In the court case last week, which was being brought by two relatives of Loyalist murder victims who died in the early 1990s at the hands of some of these weapons, um, the court heard that the weapons had been stored on his farm at Glenan, um, the, the farm where he lived until he died in 2008 and where um, he himself had said that uh, many members of the security forces would call. Um, the, the, these, this arms shipment has been linked to hundreds of Loyalist murders. Um, basically, most Loyalist murders that have been carried out since 1988. The police found a number of them in various raids in North Belfast and Portadown and in other areas since, but a, a, a large number of them are still unaccounted for. There have been allegations that the police and the Ministry of Defence were aware that these weapons were being brought in and allowed them to be brought here and distributed. Um, the court case also heard that a police officer actually tipped off Mitchell about an impending raid on his farm, which would have seized these weapons and that they were then moved um, all in all, this this, this court case has, has you know has brought to light again many murky dealings from uh, the days of the troubles. I suppose people listening in 2023, especially younger people, uh, would be shocked to hear that uh, an RUC officer tipped off Mitchell about this raid. Can you tell us anything more about that tip off or who that was, or do we know? There have been a number of names suggested amongst sources, but nobody has been named in the actual court papers. Um, I think that it isn't surprising that Mitchell would have close connections um, with police officers, um, especially since he himself had served as a reservist in the in the RUC. Um, many of those who visited his farm were also members of the security forces. A number of his associates who are arrested and charged and some convicted of crimes linked to the Glenan gang, um, they were they also had served in the police. Um, and then we had um, a former RUC sergeant who was jailed for murder um, coming forward and uh, naming Mitchell as being at the, at the centre of all this on a being really an operation of mass murder. And as you say, all of this has emerged um, because of an ongoing court case in which um, some details are coming out. But this is a this is an, an agreed summary of sensitive material held by the PSNI and the Ministry of Defence. This isn't complete. This isn't complete transparency here either. No, well, the, you know, there there has been an an agreed set of facts read out in a, an agreed summary, um, and you know, reading from the agreed summary, Mr. Justice Humphreys said in in the High Court, um, that you know, police went to search the farm, but, he, but Mitchell was warned that police were en route and the remainder of the weapons were removed to a safe location. Uh, so you know, the, the, this has been agreed by, by by all sides. So you know, it's not uh, a fairy tale that. Um, Mitchell was 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 storing, you know, what was the largest um, loyalist weapons consignment that that came into this country, uh, and and one which has led to hundreds of deaths. Now Mitchell himself died a number of years ago. He he once spoke to a Sunday Life reporter and said, "All of this is a parcel of lies." Can you tell us more about that? So back in two thousand and three. Um, Mr. Justice Barron released his report into the Dublin and Monaghan explosions um, and associated loyalist activity around the border. Um, So Mitchell was named in it. Uh, I studied that report um, 
wondered who this James Mitchell was. He was somebody who hadn't really featured. Uh, he was convicted over some weapons found on his land in 1978 because somebody else involved in the gang had confessed about that. Um, but he, he was somebody who wasn't really on the radar of journalists. He was one of these secret figures who was, who was obviously pulling the strings and who, who himself was, you know, was 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 involved in uh, directly in, in, in shootings and bombings. So I called to his home once I realised he was still where he was. He was still living in May 2004. He was very bullish. He denied that he had anything to do with it. He dismissed the allegations as rubbish, didn't entertain them whatsoever, tried to make out it was a conspiracy against him. Um, He then basically closed the door and left that. We, We published a story, including the first photographs of him. After we published that report, I was contacted by the youngest survivor of the Dublin bombing, Edward O'Neill, who had been injured and his father had had died in the atrocity. He wanted answers. He hadn't ever been able to challenge anyone responsible for his father's death. So we visited the farm. Um, I told him where it was and I said, you know, we will report it afterwards. It wasn't as if we were going up onto the doorstep with him. And he basically went to the door and he asked Mitchell, why did my dad have to die? Uh, Mitchell and him spoke for 40 minutes on the doorstep, which was a lot longer than than, 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 he, than Mitchell spoke to me when I confronted him. He did say he was sorry, but he, uh, he, he did bring up the Kings Mill massacre when the IRA killed 10 Protestants in 1976. Um, so he was sorry, but it was, but there were a lot of buts in it. I later found out that another member of the Danan gang being implicated in some of these these murders and was also named in the Barron report uh, was living on Mitchell's farm. Lily Shields was his housekeeper and in actual fact, when the police wanted to question her in 2000, that's, that's the Gardaí, when they contacted the RUC asking them to interview her for them about some of these allegations, they were told that she had died which in fact wasn't true. Um, she she didn't die until 2011. Um, so we went down, myself and a photographer, to basically prove she was still alive. And, you know, why w- w- were police officers on this side of the border telling police officers on the other side of the border that this w- woman wasn't alive? Um, so we managed to get the first photographs of her and Mitchell later uh, as we were getting him Mitchell encountered us on a tractor and he tried to basically drive over us for want of a better phrase Uh, and I later received a phone call from a local unionist politician warning me that he had he had rang them and said he had a shotgun and he was prepared to use it Uh, so I, I never returned to Mitchell's farm after that so Lily Shields is a very interesting character in all of this because obviously the RUC had maintained to the Gardaí that she was dead when in actual fact she was alive and well and living on Mitchell's farm. And she was wanted for questioning the same time that Mitchell was brought in for questioning. Um, So obviously if police had called to their home or whatever, she would have been there. She was his housekeeper. In December 1975, she and an RUC officer who was also linked to the Dlanan gang had posed as a courting couple in a car which they picked up other gang members involved in a gun attack on Donnelly's Bar in Silverbridge, in which two men and a 14-year-old boy were murdered. Under police caution, they both admitted their roles. Charges were brought against them with withholding information, but they were later dropped. It, it, it remains a mystery why, if she admitted her role, that 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 a prosecution was, was not followed through. Lily um, died in 2011, three years after 
Mitchell. She, she had been in ill health with arthritis and she was only 59 when she, when she died. And in actual fact, Mitchell was so close to her that in his will, he left her £120,000, which seemed to amount to his entire fortune. Um, and when she died, like Mitchell, she had taken her secrets to the grave. And what she knew and what Mitchell knew, we, we may never fully know. Some of the listeners might be thinking, OK, James Mitchell... A man with a shotgun and he tried to run over you in a tractor and implicated with 50 murders. You still went down and knocked on his door. That's part of the job or, or, or I mean, how trepidatious would you have been doing that? Well, at, at the time, I think you know, I, I was doing some work for, for, for newspaper in Dublin as well. There were, there, were, there were a lot of questions around this. You know, very little had been known about the Glenan gang. We knew about things like Dublin Monaghan, the Miami show band. Here was a man being branded one of our worst serial killers. You know, we have serial killers right across the spectrum. In Northern Ireland, you know, uh, senior members of the IRA, UVF, UDA. But this was a man being blamed for at least 52 murders, possibly over 100. Um, I wanted to hear what he had to say. I wanted to visit the place where many, if not most, of the worst loyalist atrocities in, in across this island had been planned. I wanted to see what he said. I wanted to stir him in the eye, basically ask him what he made of this. Um, and he, he, he did answer. He, he didn't tell the truth. I, I know that. He, he, he has been implicated very heavily. Spotlight asked James Mitchell about Weir's allegations. You know nothing about the Dublin Monitor I didn't know that. He says it's good because of the Glen Arm group. You used to meet here and also series of times. That's a person down there. Just to go back, you mentioned the Miami show band massacre. Well, and we mentioned earlier former RUC Sergeant John Weir. Whilst he was in prison, he wrote a letter to a friend in which he stated explosives were collected, probably by a British officer from a farmhouse belonging to James Mitchell. Uh, and this house was frequented by army intelligence. And he said that this is where the bomb was used, was probably created, but it was definitely used to store the bomb used to murder the Miami show band. Now, to to go through the whole story of the Miami show band would, would need a whole other podcast. But basically a 10-strong UVF hit squad flagged down the, the show band's bus uh, and we know that this bomb went off prematurely. Um, I mean, that's 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 a notorious attack uh, emanating from this farm as well. But again, it's the murkiness of this. I mean, where does the UDR, UDA, UVF, British intelligence? How did they all come together at this farm? Can we can can we say anything with certainty? Well. Mitchell's own account to police in August 2000 was that the farmhouse had been a calling house for the British military forces since World War II. Um, He said when they called, they were given cups of tea. Um, He had constant visitors to the the farm. He had a lake on his property that fishermen used. Um, He got to know a lot of people, a lot of members of the security forces. He admitted he got to know John Weir after Weir started to visit the farm when he was stationed locally at Newton Hamilton. Weir was a regular visitor. This is where Weir claimed he he witnessed bombs being made, where he he says he got the information about the Miami Showband bomb being made. Um, You've, you've got to remember that we are also uh, was visited while he was in prison for murder by Mitchell. So there were very close links there. 
And clearly this farm had become a calling house. You know, Mitchell openly said that. Um, and you mean, when you mean calling house, do you mean where somebody called in for a bit of crack and a cup of tea or was there something more organised? Are we saying that James Mitchell is some sort of puppet master here or mastermind or is he merely a cog? Was he merely a cog and, and a wider machine? Well, Mitchell... When he was saying it was calling house, he meant the call in for a cup of tea, for a chat. Um, it was a large farmhouse. He had a housekeeper. You know, um, it was in an area where there was heavy security force activity during the Troubles. According to all the official reports, according to what John Weir has said, and we've, we've got to bear in mind John Weir, his history and the fact that he's, he, he was a convicted killer. Um, but Mitchell clearly was a key player in all of this. I, I don't think he was a stooge in that he was the person who was storing, for example, the arms shipment from South Africa. He was a central driving figure in this. He was not the only one. There were other senior figures in the UVF, in the UDA, and other loyalist groups, as well as some rogue members of the security forces, which has been proven in it by the fact some of them have, have, have been convicted. Um, in the this centre of loyalist terrorism on a farm, on a hillside in, in County Armagh, Yes, and the UVF members, Harris Boyd and Wesley Somerville, who were killed as they uh, were planting the bomb on the Miami Showbands uh, bus, they were also members of the UDR. So this isn't wild speculation here. We're, we're reporting what we can say is absolute fact here. Yes, a lot of those linked to the Glenan gang were reservists or part-time or that. Um, John Weir himself had been based down there in the 1970s. He had um, joined a special patrol group in Armagh. This seems to be where a lot of them had met. For example, William McCahey, who we mentioned earlier, who was involved in the, in, in the chemist murder. He was an RUC sergeant uh, who, who had been posted there at one stage. Um, the people who are involved in the Glenan gang, those with security force connections, all seem to have met through this area and were using Mitchell's farm as a meeting place. But quite clearly, it's been agreed in the High Court case last week that M- Mitchell's farm was being used to store weapons and it's it's not it's not a massive jump to suggest that you know if he's storing substantial volume of weapons on on his farm that bombs were also being stored and made there but we have to so I suppose stress as well i think I mean, a member of the RUC tipped off Mitchell about this impending raid. Nevertheless, there was going to be a raid. And nevertheless, whilst a lot of the South African arms remain in circulation, a lot of them were found. So we have to stress that we can say as also that, I mean, the RUC were trying to find those weapons. It's not, it's not one big conspiracy. No, no, it's a, no. It's quite clear that, it, that that there was no conspiracy from the top of the RUC down to collude with James Mitchell and the Glenan gang. Um, during the investigations into some of the Glenan gang activities in the mid seventies, um, one member of the group had confessed to police that Mitchell's farm was being used to store weapons. And in nineteen seventy eight, some weapons were found, and Mitchell was was convicted over that. Um, Again, you know, police had decided when they were looking for those weapons in 1988 to go to Mitchell's farm once they had information of it. Obviously, there were rogue elements there who were working in cahoots with Mitchell, who who, who were tipping him off, as you know, was was in the agreed summary in court last week. Um, you know, 
because those weapons were moved, um, a lot of those are still out there somewhere, probably buried on other land or farms or whatever um, around Northern Ireland. Will they, will, they, will they ever be found? It remains to be seen. You know, many of those who were involved at the time have, have, have since died. Well, I suppose the obvious question to finish off with, we've, we're talking about serial killing here. We're talking about mass murder here. Obviously, we're talking about the Troubles. That's the context. That's not an excuse. But surely James Mitchell should be a household name, but he's not. James Mitchell is one of many people in Northern Ireland who were involved in the Troubles, who never became household names, who were operating in the background, operating in the shadows. And it's quite clear that Mitchell didn't want anyone to know what he was up to. He was taken aback when I called to his door. Then he had the victim of one of his attacks called to his door to confront him. Once we discovered his housekeeper was still alive and had got a photograph, you know, his whole facade of being a respectable farmer was falling apart. People have spoke, local Catholics have spoken about visiting his farm, being made to feel welcome, not having an, an, an idea. Um, but later on, when he was exposed, he went on the offensive with, when he was challenged. For example, whenever Edward O'Neill visited his farm, he would say, but what about to put this to the IRA did? Um, clearly, he f- believed that what he was doing was settling the score, while in actual fact, the Lanan gang and Mitchell were involved in a sectarian campaign of murder. Martin Breen, thank you very much. This episode of The Bell Tale was produced by myself, Kieran Dunbar, along with Olivia Peden. The sound design was by Graham Davidson. The clips you heard were from BBC Spotlight, RTE and AP. Remember, you can stay up to date on the latest news with the Irish Independent WhatsApp channel. 